Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me. When I call, answer me quickly. For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. In my distress I groan aloud and am reduced to skin and bones. I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears because of your great wrath. For you have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow. I will wither away like grass. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favour to her. The appointed time has come. For her stones are dear to your servants. Her very dust moves them to pity. The nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. In the course of my life he broke my strength. He cut short my days. So I said, do not take me away, my God, in the midst of my days. Your years go on through all generations. In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing you will change them, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. This is the word of the Lord. It's a day when as you, as you leave the house, you trip over the cat. After the morning when you come down and discover the dishwasher has leaked all over the floor. And as you drive your car, you decide it really is starting to sound like a tractor. And as you get home after a long day, you put your key in the lock, and before you've unlocked the door, it snaps. Or it's the day when everything that could possibly go wrong, goes wrong. Or it's when you found something out where it just feels like life will not be the same again. Maybe it's just that thing that's going on and you just can't get your head around it. That decision that seems impossibly hard to make. Or the situation that feels 
impossibly hard to make sense of. Or news that feels impossibly hard to share with others. Those times where you just, you're just not hungry. When sleep escapes and evades you. When you look around and it just feels like nobody's interested. Nobody notices you. Or when it feels like those who should be for you are not. When you wake up in the morning and you're still tired. When you just find yourself in a moment staring out the window and just having that overwhelming sense of the fleetingness, the fragility, the fadingness. That's a real word of life. What do you do in those moments? When you find yourself in those moments or experiencing something like that, what do you do? Well, generally speaking, if you're British, there's something you will do first. I think mine is down here. Put the kettle on. You make a cup of tea, don't you? Kate Fox, who's basically paid to write books about what she notices as she she people watches, says, uh, whatever your mental or physical state, what you need is an iced cup of tea. And those of you that don't drink tea, those of you here this evening are not tea drinkers, respect, kudos to you. I'm not quite sure how you cope. I think it's when it comes to your cup of tea, uh, those who are fond of, of, of a cup of tea will probably have strong opinions on which tea is best. And a room this size, I mean, there's already people nodding. I mean, what, what are we going for? Tea of choice. PG? PG Yorkshire? Clipper? Le- lemon and gin? Left field. Strong. Just struck builders tea with hair, put hairs on my chest. Um, I'm always, I've always been a fan of like the, the, the red label one, but that's, I'm now in trouble now because they're in trouble. They've been, uh, I think PG tips are in trouble as well. Uh, and we all have our go-to tea uh, because on the whole, we, we go to it because we know it's going to be reliably the same each time. Reliably the same because the tea companies employ some poor people whose whole job is to slurp and to spit tea to make sure with all the different tea leaves that they manage to buy in that it's always going to be the same, that when you make your cup of tea, you're going to get what you know and you expect. For the Christian, for the follower of Jesus, for the, for the person in Christ, there is something even more reliably the same than the best cup of tea. There is something more reliably the same that we need when life feels frustrating and fragile and fleeting. Something that means even when you can't imagine life throwing any more at you, you can still praise the Lord. You can still be praising God. And it's what the Holy Spirit gives us in Psalm 102 this evening. And to begin with, as as Brian read it, maybe you kind of felt like you were eavesdropping on someone's quite personal prayer. And yet it then opens out, doesn't it? Verse 18. Have a look at what it says. Let this be written for a future generation. This is a psalm for, for us. That a people not yet created may praise the Lord. There's something in this psalm. That means you and I, no matter how life is going for you right now, no matter what last week's like, no matter what's in store for us this coming week, 
No matter whether life feels full of potential or fairly pointless, you can praise God. Something even better, something even more comforting than the best cup of tea. It's the truth about God that changes the direction of this psalm twice. Verse 12, verse 27. Notice they both begin with the same game-changing two words. But you. Talking about God, but you. Verse 12, but you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. Verse 27, but you remain the same and your years will never end. When life feels frustrating, when life feels fragile, when it feels like life fades, what do we need to know? What do we need to experience about God? We need to know that he is unchanging. He's unchanging. The God we worship, the God who over the last few weeks we've discovered exists, is the creator craftsman who sustains, who is good and does good, is completely unchanging. He does not change. We don't find it specifically in Psalm 102, but there's plenty of places uh, in the Psalms and uh, around the, uh, the scriptures in the Bible where, where God is described as being like a rock, solid. You know, if we were to start thinking about the, the most solid and unchanging thing that we could think of, it probably wouldn't be long until we start thinking of a large lump of rock. But even a large lump of rock, you only have to kind of start vaguely remembering your school geography lessons to know even that changes. You've got erosion and weathering and ice ages. So maybe we go to the biggest possible lump of rock that we can think of, Mount Everest. Surely there's nothing more solidly unchanging than Mount Everest. And yet, you probably, probably know it grows something like four millimeters each year. Even Mount Everest is changing. And the psalmist writes in verse 25, In the beginning, God, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. God, the craftsman creator, made the rocks and the mountains. Even these change. And what happens to these most solid objects that we can imagine? Verse 26, they will perish. But you remain. They will wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them and they will be discarded. Compared to God, Mount Everest is the equivalent of my jumper, which is starting to get a hole in and probably in a few weeks' time will be in the bin. Isn't that a contrast with our experience of life? God is completely unchanging. I don't think any of us could describe our lives as being unchanging. Our experience of life is that there is always change going on. And maybe you're somebody here this evening who loves change. You love things to be different. Maybe you're somebody here this evening and you kind of go, I just want things to stay the same. But the change we experience through life, however we receive it, however we experience it, it tells us that our, our lot for life will involve frustration and it will involve fragility. And, and I guess it's not the positive, upbeat message that we kind of maybe want to hear on a Sunday night so we're ready for Monday to hear that life's going to be frustrating and fragile. We try and avoid it. Our whole world around us tries to avoid it. That's why we have gym memberships. It's why we uh, have this fascination with diets and eating well. 
It's why we have anti-aging creams. Plump up the skin and get rid of those wrinkles. It's why we have just for men hair dye. And the psalmist is absolutely right when they say, verse 3, for my days vanish like, like smoke. Or verse 11, my days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. In the Bible, God does not hold back from reminding us that our lives are short. In fact, we just maybe go over uh, the page, Psalm 103. Uh, we, we, can, we can look over to uh, verse 15, the life of mortals, it says. Life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like the flower of the field. The wind blows over it, it's gone, and the place remembers it no more. It might not be what we want to hear. We can't ignore it. We can't hide from it. The frustrations of life, the fragility of life, is the reality of living in a world that has been impacted by human sin, all of our sin, our own sin, and the consequences of that sin from God. It means life is frustrating. It does mean life is fragile. It does mean our lives will fade. But the writer of this psalm seems to be feeling like their life is being particularly cut short early on. This psalmist is experiencing some kind of tragedy or trauma or, or terrible time. Uh, terrible events that have interrupted. So verse 3, it says, In the course of my life he broke my strength, he cut short my days. It's what's left this person who's, who's written the psalm not eating. Uh, we see that they're groaning, they're losing weight, they're full of tears. And perhaps most strangest to our ears, feeling like an owl. Okay, that is an image that is lost on us. I had to look it up. Uh, not because I don't know what an owl is. I do know what an owl is. Uh, but an owl in, in the culture of the, the psalm is an unclean animal. So it's a, it's a picture of being cut off and cast away. It's a picture of isolation and the loneliness, feeling abandoned. And the psalmist senses this. This is because of the consequences from God for sin. Verse 10, because of your great wrath. Life is frustrating. Life is fragile for, for all of us. And at times it will be extra frustrating, extra fragile. And it's the reality of living in a, in a world where God has rightly responded to our turning away from him. And, uh, and we kind of go, well, what's the point? Life's short. But notice that's not the response of the psalmist, is it? It's not what the psalmist does. The psalmist doesn't throw up their hands and give up. They say, let this be written down for generations to come, for people not yet created, so that they may praise the Lord. Even in all of this, we can praise God because our lives might be changing. They might be full of frustration. They might be full of uh, fragility. But God is unchanging, and that is good news, the psalmist said. It is good news. It's good news for you this evening. It's good news for me. Three reasons why it's good news. Why God being unchanging is good news when life feels frustrating and fragile. Uh, the first one is to realize if, if God is unchanging... It gives us, if you like, a handle to hold on to when frustrations come or we feel fragile or frail. Yes, our lives might be short. Yes, our lives might be frustrating. Yes, they might be fragile. 
Yes, it's the impact of sin and the consequences from God. But it's the God who is unchanging. The God who's unchanging in his compassion. Through the course of all of history, through the course of the history of our lives, God is at work bringing about his great plan, this great plan of salvation, to bring together people from all nations, all kinds of people together in Jesus Christ. So that something like verse 15 becomes the reality. You see, the nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. What a great picture. That is the direction of history. God is unchanging in that. And so we're frustrated in our lives as we feel frail and fragile in our lives. What do we hold on to? God is at work achieving his purposes in Christ. And in Jesus, there's an invitation to every single one of us to be part of it. When life is feeling frustrating, uh, when life feels really fragile, when life, you're just aware that life is short, you hold on to that handle. Hold on to it. Second thing, if God is unchanging, it means we can be absolutely confident his ear will hear us. Now, I don't know whether the psalmist, after in the middle of this psalm, sort of puts the kettle on and makes a cup of tea. I don't know if he's got a mug in his hand. Uh, but when he turns to God... When he goes there, verse 1, he says, Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I'm in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. And it kind of, you kind of read it and go, he doesn't seem very sure if God's going to listen to him. Let me think for a moment. And yet this is the first place he's going. So maybe there is confidence there. We read on verse 17. He will respond to the prayer of their destitute. He will not despise their plea. We see this confidence again, verse 19. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners, to release those condemned to death. God is unchanging. We can cry out to God in the frustrations and the fragility of life, knowing he's always going to hear us. His ear will hear us. Somebody more godly who loved Jesus probably more than me who, who wrote a fantastic little book. If you've never read it and you're kind of into reading, A.W. Tozer, The Knowledge of the Holy. It's little, little reflections on the character of God. It's brilliant. I'll lend it to you. He writes this. What peace it brings to the Christian heart to realize that our Heavenly Father never differs from himself. In coming to him at any time, we don't need to wonder whether we shall find him in a receptive mood. You know, our experience with God is not like my children when they come home from school and find me working at the desk going, ooh, what kind of mood is Dad in today? He does not keep off his hours, Tozer says. He does not set aside periods when he will, not, he will see no one. Neither does he change his mind about anything. Today, this moment, he feels towards his creatures, towards his babies, towards the sick, the fallen, the sinful, exactly as he did when he sent his only begotten son into the world to die for mankind. Isn't that brilliant? God is unchanging, and therefore we can have confidence that his ear will hear us. The third thing, God is unchanging. It means we have a hope. 
for the future. And it's, it's where Psalm 102 lands, isn't it? Verse 27, but you remain the same and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. Our hope for eternity comes with the promise that Jesus Christ is going to return. He's going to judge perfectly. He is going to renew all things. He is going to recreate. The old is going to pass away. The new will come. We have that great promise of tears being wiped away. There will be nothing left that will cause us to cry. There will be no more death. No matter how frustrating or fragile life feels for you right now, God's not changed his plan on that. Because God doesn't change. doesn't change his mind. doesn't change his plan. The only real rock-solid certainty we have for the future is Christ's return because God is unchanging. That's the God of Psalm 102. That's the God of the Bible. That is the God we meet in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, we meet the God who looks down and viewed the earth and heard our groans. And what did he do? He acted to release those condemned to death. He acted in such a way that means he will be praised by people from all nations, all kinds of people. And how did he do it? Remember how the psalmist described his experience in verse 23. In the course of my life, he broke my strength. He cut short my days. Because that's the description of Jesus. He is the one whose strength was broken. His was the one whose days were cut short. That's the God we worship. That's the God who doesn't change. Let this be known for a future generation. Let the people not yet created praise the Lord. I say, Heavenly Father, would you help us this evening? I'd be praising you because you are unchanging. Would we know that that is a handle to hold when life feels frustrating and fragile? Would it give us confidence to call out to you knowing that your ear will hear us? And would it mean that we have a hope for the future? Amen.